0: Hey everyone, this is a trigger warning. Today's fiction features graphic depictions of gore. We're also going to use some foul language. So, if that's the sort of thing that makes you squeamish or there's children around, use your own discretion. Whoa, I am honestly blown away. That is an original song written and performed by Kelly Jean Harding. Now, Kelly is a longtime fan, and she wrote in explaining that that song was written for the new Katy Perry album. Now, unfortunately, due to some last-minute changes, they ended up bumping the song from the record and not using it which is very, very unfortunate for Kelly Jean. She was very, very excited about having this song on the new Katy Perry record, and it just didn't work out. So she wrote in saying, hey, this is what happened. No one's going to hear the song, but I'm very proud of it. Would you do me a favor and maybe play it as the opening to your podcast? Kelly, I am an eternal fan. That is her song, Bloodlust, and again, thank you so much for sending that to us, and I hope all of you listeners at home enjoy it as well. Speaking of Bloodlust, I have an interesting story for you today, and the story itself sort of caught me by surprise. See, I have a friend of a friend that I follow on Instagram, and she has been having a very exciting week because she just adopted a new cat. I have a cat, too. And although I have no way of measuring this data, I would assume that many, many of my listeners are also cat people. You're my people. We're cat people. But she's been updating her Instagram story with little snippets of her new friend. And one morning, instead of seeing a video of the cat, it was a video of herself weeping in her bed. Now, don't worry. The cat didn't die. It's not going to be that kind of a twist. Instead, during the night, her cat managed to catch a rat in her apartment, dismember it, and place that rat at the foot of her bed. It completely caught her off guard. And that got me thinking about the inherent ruthlessness of nature. And somewhere along the line, we decided That these little furry things that we keep around in our apartments can commit terrible acts of violence against other living creatures, but it's okay because they're just doing what's in their DNA. But what happens when that animal decides to seek out larger prey? I encourage you to keep your animals close when you listen to this. And with that, today's story.
1: Kill Shelter by Lucas Coleman, read by Kelsey Wells. Maybe it was because I didn't get the job at the magazine. Maybe it was because I saw Charlie at the coffee shop with his hand grazing between another girl's thighs. Maybe it was to prove to my parents, who would never miss the money they spent supporting my dreams, that I could act like a responsible adult. But whatever my psychological motivations were, I was getting a cat. I had kittens on my mind. And after getting nowhere with trolling thousands of half-assed pet dealing scams on Craigslist, my local grocer posted in their community board that the local animal shelter would be hosting an adoption drive the following Saturday. You've gotta hand it to the vegan grocery stores and the community emphasis that goes into them. I tried to keep my cool until Saturday, act like I was still weighing the odds of adopting a pet. Sure, I want one now, but would I want one in five years? What if I found a boyfriend who was allergic? Would drastic life changes cause me to give it up after three and then spend the rest of my adult life feeling like an asshole knowing the thing was still out there somewhere missing me? Like so many of the recent disasters in my life, I decided to ignore these thoughts and compartmentalize them into that dark, deep space far back into my brain and told myself that it would all work itself out. That had become my motto recently. And in the meantime, I purchased a litter box, a cat food sampler, which the box told me would help discover my cat's personal preference, a cat tree that looked like a cactus, two plush cat beds, and a myriad of feathers, toys, and springs. I needed the distraction, and it felt less selfish to ease my angst by shopping for an animal I was about to rescue rather than myself. The last weekend of every month was the only time my job wasn't remote. By job, I mean a two-year-long internship at an online magazine with a minimal reader base, but didn't have to stoop so low as to sell advertisements for dick pills to stay in business. My job description was centered around seeking out what's trending and giving subject matter and fresh angles to our writers so they can churn out articles that will bring on the clicks. But mostly I spend my time grammar-checking Red Bull-fueled articles and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really matter what I do. What I should be doing is running a team of writers to create a balanced readership. It's what I was doing until the promotion, instead of going to me, went to Sierra, who doesn't know the difference between a book and an Instagram feed. And maybe that's why they gave the job to her. Maybe I'm not edgy enough for the dwindling magazine industry. This was the one week a month where we had to be in the office, and the first week where my team was being led by Sierra. She didn't like me. And yeah, that's fine, But she didn't have to make a big show out of disagreeing with me, either. I would give my opinion only to have it ripped apart. When I stayed quiet, I would be called out for not bringing anything to the table. You can't win with girls like Sierra. But that doesn't mean she deserves to die. This week was so agonizing. I was getting jealous of a cat I hadn't even adopted yet. And just before i stepped out of the office friday night literally one minute to clocking out sierra asked me to stay late and mop the office as if i were a maid the office is a we work it's not on us to mop or dust anything but that's what i was dealing with i shut my laptop held my anger and we walked away without saying a word i knew i would be hearing about this from tyler our founder On Monday, a twisted, mutilated version that made me sound like the angry, unreasonable one. But that was Monday's problem. That night, I laid on the couch in my small apartment watching TV. And when I shut it off, just before I got up, I sat there for a moment and thought to myself just how quiet my apartment was. You could sort of hear the street. Maybe a pipe shift or rustle when a neighbor unit shifted on their water. But it was so still. The energy of the whole place, so latent, void. That was the perfect way to describe it. My apartment was void, but not for long. You didn't have to sign up for the adoption event. It wasn't much of an event really, just a few old ladies with a pen and some crates set up in front of a grocery. I'm sure they were hoping to God that people would impulsively adopt these animals without having known there was any kind of event happening that day. Despite this, I didn't want to show up early and seem too eager, but I also didn't want to get there too late when all that's left are the older, shittier animals. So I sat in my car until five after, and I swear to God, that five minutes felt like 10,000 years. I got out of my car. I even brought along a disposable shopping bag so that I didn't seem too eager, and I approached the adoption fair. I felt like I was being watched. Like someone's eyes were groping me up and down and although it was a sunny morning, almost hot outside, I shivered. Once it passed, I realized where the feeling was coming from. An old woman was seated in a lawn chair amongst the kennels with a clipboard holding what could have only been adoption applications. I always found it strange that they made you apply for a cat. Did anyone ever call to follow up or drop by to check if your yard is as big as you say it is? If no one adopts it, They're just going to stick a needle in its neck anyway. So why not just say, take as many as you like? Some mysteries of the universe will never be solved. Any interest in going home with a little friend today? The old woman said. Her eyes were full of cataracts. Little friend, I said, and would have laughed if I wasn't distracted. Trying to decipher if the woman could actually see anything at all. Let me know if you want to meet one. I think what she was referring to is taking one out of the kennel. I went crate to crate. Some were an instant no and I've never felt more vain for thinking that. But a few were terribly skittish, cowering in the back of their crates. Another had a large patch of fur missing, making it appear mangly. It reminded me that no cat is going to look like a rock star when it's feeling miserable in the pound. I've watched enough adorable rescue recovery stories on social media to know how different a pet can look once they find a home, good food, and a little love. But despite that, some of these were still a hard no. I was gravitating towards kittens Charlie had said you never really know how they're going to be when they grow up though what if it's like mean or really shitty personality I changed the subject because it started to feel like we were talking about having kids or something I didn't realize an hour had passed I was in a deep thought and I had narrowed it down to two little kittens. One was all white and had long, ultra-soft hair. You could tell it would have a massive coat when it was older. It also had goldenish eyes and purred and rolled over as soon as I approached the kennel. The other was black, with a square of grey on the right top side of its face. It reminded me of Borg from Star Trek, a show that my dad was obsessed with. It was just when I was about to ask the old woman for an adoption form when I felt her eyes on me again and when I turned to her, she was gone. Instead on the chair was a little cat. It was orange, but it looked like it had fallen into a barrel of ashes. Or maybe it was black, but it had little embers burning its way through its fur. It was very unique looking, and it was looking right at me, perfectly still. Hello, I said, like an idiot. I don't know why I said it still, the cat stared at me, and all of these cats I just spent the past hour with, I felt like this was the first one that acknowledged me. I moved toward it, expecting it to recoil or scamper off, and instead it just stood statue-like, watching me, green eyes, and an orange stripe that slid right down to the tip of its nose. I stood right over the thing, and I let my hand hover over its head for a moment. May I pet you? Jesus, not only am I talking to it, I'm speaking to it, cordially. What do you think? The old lady said, coming back out from the vegan grocer with a sandwich and a bottle of hibiscus water. I already knew this was the one, but when I asked her what her name was, the old woman didn't know. She seemed rather surprised, actually, that the cat managed to get out of her crate. Do you ever wonder if you're remembering things wrong? Had I thought about it then, I'm almost positive that every other crate had been full. No pets had been adopted yet that day. I'm not sure that anyone beside me went home with an animal at all. When the woman searched for the cat's paperwork and vaccination records, she couldn't find them. Every cat had their papers and a picture to go with it. Also a written description. In fact, she almost didn't let me take the cat because she couldn't find the record of it. I found myself arguing for the cat telling her that I would take it to the vet first thing, regardless, and that maybe this was just a stray that wandered in when it heard the other cats meowing. I didn't think that were true, though. It didn't seem feral. I filled out an application form, and the old woman gave me a disposable crate made of a cardboard box. The cat, which I realized I had no name for, went in the box with ease. When we got back to my apartment, I let it out. It took one slow lap around the place... Looked back at me with a piercing narrowness of approval and leaped into one of the plush cat beds shaped like a pink princess castle. Foolishly, I thought, I had not only picked the right cat, but that princess bed was the best $68 I ever spent. The next morning, I awoke to a heart attack. It had not occurred to me, even for a moment, that casually leaving my windows open in an old building with no screens is a perfect way to let the cat escape. I shouted, cat, several times as if the cat were woke to its own existence. Out of instinct, I grabbed one of the sampler bags of cat food and started to shake it, but the rustling of the kibble was overpowered by my parents' disapproving voices in my head, scolding me for irresponsible pet ownership. I ran out into the hall, down a flight of stairs, then into the street, still shaking the bag like a lunatic, and forced myself to breathe. narrowly escaping another panic attack, I trudged my way back into the apartment and tried to distract myself with a shower. The steam filled the small apartment bathroom, and I convinced myself I wasn't crying. I don't even think I was upset about losing the cat, per se. I was upset that every plan I'd ever had for my life, no matter how thorough, how hard I tried— always seem to wind up in a disaster. What is the saying? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Suddenly, my sadness was replaced by that feeling. That feeling like someone has their eyes on you. And I heard the bathroom door creak open. I could see the steam of the shower billowing upward and outward, escaping toward the door. I felt the cold air from the apartment seeping into the room. I had closed it. I had closed it and locked it. That was a habit I had in bathrooms ever since I was little, growing up with four brothers. I close and lock a bathroom door. I don't even think about it. I turned the knobs and the water shut off. Just a curtain between me and whoever had crept into the bathroom. The silence other than a few rogue drops skimping out of the faucet to the porcelain floor. My fingers hovered over the curtain, and I thrust it open all at once, bracing myself. It's a bitch forgetting you no longer live alone. The cat sat statue-like, gazing at me, and from its mouth it dropped a fat, bloody rat on the floor. The rat plopped onto the tile and rolled towards me like an overripe plum. It looked slippery and pink, but that was just its intestines peeking through in one particularly vicious puncture mark. Until that very moment, I would have told you I wasn't a squeamish person. But seeing that gross shit on the internet pales in comparison to real life. I knew getting an animal meant certain unpleasantries, like cleaning a litter box, vet visits, and fleas. I winced, and the cat panted, open mouth, almost like it was trying to laugh. And I thought to myself, that's one less rat the building has to deal with. I got a plastic grocery store bag I saved for no particular reason, The ones I always complain shouldn't exist because they pollute the earth, but still constantly find good uses for. And a spatula that I was okay with throwing out. I put the two together, holding the handle of the plastic bag with my pinky and forefinger, as if that made a difference. And I hurried it down the hall to the trash chute. Out with the old and in with the new. (laughs) The next day, I'd mentioned the rat to a work friend who made everyone she encountered aware that she is also a cat owner. She piped over an article and a comment along the lines of, Lucky girl, your cat must really like you. The article explained that instinctively, cats will kill a mouse or a rat and bring it back as food for its young to eat. When your cat does this to you, it means they feel bonded to you. Lucky me. Why would I need Charlie to take me out to dinner when I have a cat bringing me takeouts? I was just getting the feeling that cat girl and I had struck an immortal bond when I got a message asking me to come to the office by the end of the day. A moment later, I noticed that my workplace portal and ability to direct message my coworkers had been temporarily suspended. They could have saved me the trip to the all but empty office. I already knew I was fired, fired from a 2-year internship that didn't even pay me. They told me that my internship had ended, just like that my duty had been fulfilled. I thought to myself, I must have caused some serious damage for them to refuse free labor. But I also knew that this had likely nothing to do with my performance. And that was confirmed when Sierra was waiting outside the boss's door to escort me out. She was really going above and beyond in her new role. I'm really sorry to see you go. I guess they thought it was best to trim the fat, she said as she let out a pert smile. She was trying to agitate me make me say something down-to-earth and shitty for her to repeat to the rest of the team out of context. She wanted some kind of soundbite, or the way she was looking at me, she may have been hoping for a slap in the face. Anything to gain more sympathy and attention from the higher-ups. And even though nothing would have given me more pleasure, I couldn't risk giving her that satisfaction. Later, I said. I took my cardboard box, which she had brought from home for me to clean out the contents of my desk into, and walked for the final time through the tall glass doors of the building. Later, she said back, mimicking me loudly in a shrill, infuriating voice. I know this sounds like overkill, like I'm reading a bit too hard into a two-syllable word, but I swear, the way she said later could literally translate to, I'm sorry you didn't care enough about what you did here to keep a job they didn't even have to pay you for, and maybe if you worked harder, you wouldn't be out on your skinny little ass right now. I stopped walking. That was a mistake now she knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's gotten to me what could i say that wouldn't give her more satisfaction this girl has probably run this scenario a thousand times over in her head already her victorious moment i bite my tongue pretend i need to hoist the box up like i'm losing my grip and keep walking that's about the time it started to hurt i was taking an uber but i had to get further from her sight Never had I felt more worthless than leaving that place. The job that didn't pay and treated its people like shit. It was the suddenness of it all. Like I'd only worked there a week instead of all the Christmas parties, pulling weekends, and come on guys, we're all in this together. That could have been the best years of my life. When I got home, my little creep was waiting for me by the door. That was a nice distraction, if only for two seconds. Had she been waiting in front of the door since I left? Or had she heard me down the hall and rallied? It didn't matter. I liked the fact that someone was waiting for me and I decided to call her creep. I gave her some chow and ordered myself Chinese food. I offered her a bite of chow mein. She wasn't interested. And there in my kitchen, for the first time that marked the end of my totally fun and socially acceptable existence, I vented to my cat about the bitch that got me fired. Some nights, I can't tell if I'd slept or laid awake all night tossing and turning. If my brain hurts creating a restlessness in my body or if my body is so fucked it's agitating my brain i heard the faucet dripping the buzzing from my refrigerator which is probably always humming but i just don't seem to notice it unless i'm upset or overtired and i smell the full-bodied thick aroma of jesus i don't know what maybe it's sewage or maybe it's sweat maybe it isn't rancid at all just the hearty aroma that you'd smell at a butcher one thing's for sure now that i'm aware of it The smell is inescapable, and the dull hum of the refrigerator is interrupted by a lone meow. I had forgotten again. I don't live alone anymore. I also mark this as the first time I've heard that cat, little creep, make any kind of sound. My hand fumbles for the light on my nightstand, and when I flick it on, my heart drops into my chest. Creep sits on all fours waiting for me, watching me, and beside her is Sierra's corpse. Her intestines are scrolled across a thick rain puddle of blood. There's a lot of blood, actually. A body's worth, and it looks like her eyes, which are no longer in her face, have been clawed out by dozens, if not hundreds, of claw marks. Her throat has a hole in it. It's big, and somehow I knew that Creep had crawled inside this little hole and clawed her way back out through Sierra's belly. I vomited onto myself and hardly noticed. I was looking into Creep's eyes as she panted with her mouth open As though she was trying to laugh. As though she was smiling. A million questions ran through my head. How did she get here? Who killed her? How did they drop her onto the floor beside my bed without me hearing a thing? And then there was Creep. The scratching, the throat, and the belly holes. That must have taken some time, right? None of this made sense. Creep leaped onto my lap and I realized she was drenched in Sierra's blood. It smeared across my white silk nightgown and I shuddered. She started to purr deep and powerful. Her little paw stretched out onto my thigh and she flexed her claws, but only enough to gently poke. And then she eased off, just letting me know she was there and she wouldn't dare break the skin. I sat there wide awake until dawn, freezing and then burning up. I felt the blood from Creep's coat coagulate and become crisp. I had weighed my options during the night. And while most people might have called the police All I could think about was how it would look to have your known enemy appear the very day she got you fired on your bedroom floor, torn to shreds without any explanation or alibi. Maybe I did this? Blacked it out? Some kind of repressed rage coma that led me to carry out unspeakable acts? It wasn't until I dragged Sierra's corpse across the bedroom that I realized there is no way this could have been me. For starters, I'm a lot smaller than she is. Was and she had been accurate the time I heard her call me a skinny little bitch under her breath as I was exiting a shared but silent elevator ride. I struggled with the remains, and as I dragged the body, the dried tips of her intestines stuck to the floor by my bedside and continued to unravel from within her across the entire apartment she may have come here in one piece but she wouldn't be leaving in that same fashion i felt a little manic exhausted from the residual terror and lack of sleep I decided firmly that Sierra would not have the last laugh. Me, spending the rest of my life in prison, abandoned by everyone I've ever known, all because I got stuck with the credit for her murder. So I spent the next 11 hours removing her body in manageable pieces. It took all day, but I was meticulous. I found that the large blue bags you get at IKEA are excellent for carrying awkwardly chopped body parts. And the tarp-like material made it not only bloodproof but very easy to clean. Why wrap a whole body into a bloody tarp? Just bag it. Her body went into the sewer about four miles south of where I lived. I told myself not to be paranoid, but I avoided every illogical move that's ever gotten someone caught in a crime drama. I didn't leave a trail to the dump site. I bleached and cleaned every inch of my apartment. I threw away my clothes. I even took a break, showered, and used my credit card at a brunch place I visit at least once a week, just to make some sort of paper trail show normalcy. And to top it all off, I cleaned the litter box and threw out Creep's poop in a trash can across town. I knew that would contain pieces of Sierra. When it was all said and done, I was so tired I couldn't even think about who did it. Who had access to my apartment? Who would even go to such great lengths to show me that I wasn't alone in my hatred of Sierra? Whoever they were, if they were trying to blackmail me, why wouldn't they call it in? Give me so much time to clean things up that I'd get away with it? I'd hardly thought this before I'd fallen into my dream. I was standing, hovering in infinite blackness. Creep was there, across a great expanse, watching me. I couldn't tell if I was getting closer or further away from her. I suddenly caught on fire and started to panic. But Creep's stare distracted me from the fire, and it was long enough to realize that I wasn't burning. Four days passed. Without the internship, I had no routine to stick to. So I told myself that I would force myself to do all the things I would normally do without being stuck at work all day. Fun stuff that would make me appear oblivious to the tragedy that had struck. I went to the movies, applied for new jobs, texted friends religiously, and then my old office finally called. They didn't say directly what had happened, and I didn't let on that I knew. As far as the world was concerned, Sierra was hardly a missing person. They offered me my job back. This time though, it was a paid position. They changed the title and description, but it was essentially the job they had offered to Sierra. I declined the job. I knew it might look suspicious in the long run. I had told him I was looking for something with a higher income and that was that. I had no idea how long disappearance investigations or murder cases usually take. I definitely knew better than to put something like that on my search history. But I started to think that somehow, somehow, it might all be okay. And that was exactly when I saw Charlie with her. I had seen them before, sitting in a coffee shop, his hand between her legs. This time they were at a red light. I was across the intersection walking towards the farmer's market and standing next to about two dozen other people. They didn't see me when they took each other's hands. Or when he gave her a little spin. A maneuver he never did with his actual girlfriend for some reason. And they didn't see me when he pressed his lips up against hers. It cuts deep when it's emotional cheating. I'm not saying things are better when the guy you're dating gets drunk and acts impulsively with some stranger, but when they calculate balancing another girl, you have to be a real rat to pull something like that off. And then fate, being the cruel bitch that she is, drags you naturally onto their path like it's magnetic. They didn't see me. And although I wanted nothing more than to stand my ground and just let that motherfucker notice me so he could see with his own eyes, irrefutably, that he's been caught, but instead, I turned on my heels and got the fuck out of Dodge. I ran back to my apartment, I cried it out to my cat, and I let Charlie go home with whoever that was, confrontation-free. It sounds so stupid when I try and explain what we had together. I feel stupid now to think that both being super busy was a sign of compatibility. I guess now I know what he was busy with. At least my cheating boyfriend was a momentary relief from the blood and the gore I was cleaning up the last days before. This reminded me to do another sweep of Creep's litter box, and so I did, Creep watching me with silent compassion. The sun went down and the faint light of my laptop bounced back from Creep's beady eyes with a somber glow. Her jaw dropped and she started breathing heavy. I googled it and was halfway through an article explaining that they do this because they have glands in their mouths that help them smell more with more intensity. Sort of a cat's way of taking it all in. I didn't dream. The best sleep is when someone's hit the power button on your brain, and you fully turn it off for a while. When I woke, the light had gone out on my laptop. I felt four paws trying to gain traction on my soft stomach, and Creep was making a pulsing, undulating motion. Her eyes glowed without the help of my laptop. The slivers of her eyes stared distantly. Before I could move myself out of the way of the incoming hairball, her jaw widened. How it didn't shatter or dislocate is beyond me, and with a final heave, she ejected a fat, swollen, liver-like blob onto my chest. It started to leak and deflate all over my sternum as I felt a thudding heartbeat against it, all but knocking it clean off. I was paralyzed, but my mind sprang into motion. It happened again. This time, the mystery of the murderous stranger had been impossibly solved. I picked the severed tongue off my chest, with the tips of my fingers and dropped it cautiously onto the floor. The room smelled unbearable, but that didn't stop Creep from opening her little mouth and taking hard, full breaths as she balanced nimbly on my chest. I willed myself to turn my head and look to the floor to witness the carnage I undoubtedly shared a bedroom with. Creep looked first as though she were trying to guide my eye. The tendons in my neck creaked as I started to turn my head to hear it a gurgle. The faintest little gurgle from the floor beside me. Charlie lay beside me on the floor. His eyes and tongue missing. Blood pooling around him. His legs and arms broken into a pose like a human starfish. I'd swear he were dead if it were not for the faintest moans trickling out from the depths of his throat. He was alive. Well, kind of. Maybe a surgeon could save Charlie. Maybe there was still time for that, but his eyes were gone so was his nose and tongue and by the looks of the blood pulling from his ears his hearing was gone too he lost all his senses except for the ability to feel pain his body was now a little more than a dark cage creep hopped onto his chest and looked back at me her fangs protruded from her mouth and she slowly placed them over charlie's throat she was play biting good god i looked at her fangs and thought to myself they look longer than a cat's fangs should the length of matchsticks and just as narrow all the way from the points to her gums she slowly pawed a claw across his neck and looked to me letting out an adorable mew and i realized what she was doing she was teaching me to kill she was teaching me to kill for myself like she was my mother I had so many questions. How did it get a grown man from where he was all the way into my apartment? How did it move Sierra's body? It didn't make any sense. What was left of Charlie uttered another moan. Please no, 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 I pleaded. But the cat only sat there with her glowing eyes, watching me, waiting, and offering a slow blink of its eyes. I didn't give Charlie the chance to moan again. I went into the kitchen and found a steak knife. It was dull and serrated. I came back into the room, and as I turned the corner from the kitchen, the cat was already watching me. I held the knife tightly. I had to kill Charlie. It would be mercy. But I thought about taking that serrated knife, raising it as high as if to plunge down into Charlie's neck, but at the last moment, slamming it into the cat. Creep's pupils narrowed into green slits. Jesus, I've never been of the impression that animals can sense emotion in a way humans can't, like a sixth sense. But could she sense what I was thinking? What if she could? What if I couldn't stop her and I wound up like Charlie, blind and deaf and mute, a useless ball of skin, eternal suffering and unable to take my own life? I couldn't risk it. I crossed the room and sat down next to Charlie. The cat's purring was a low, deep pulse its rhythm, like some pagan drum ritual, gave me a tempo to follow as I lifted the knife to Charlie's throat. I wondered if Charlie knew it was me, unless he too could sense it. I tickled his forehead. It's something I would do when we were laying in bed together after having sex. Although he never said it, I think he really liked this. I would brush his forehead and he would close his eyes he no longer possessed, and sometimes we would do this for hours. He grunted pleadingly and now he knew it was me that held the knife to his throat. He wanted me to do it. And although I'm sure he couldn't begin to imagine how I came to be involved in his torture, he was relying on me now to end it. So many things I wanted to ask him. Why he cheated? How he could live with himself? Did our relationship mean anything to him? I was starting to get that no matter what his answers were, it didn't really matter. It was over. It was over before I knew it. Maybe that's what the cat wanted me to see, why she brought him to me with shredded eardrums, unable to hear my pointless questions, and no eyes so he couldn't look past my wounded expression, and no tongue to spout out more and more bullshit that would undoubtedly keep me stringing along. After what had felt like minutes, Charlie was dead. Creep jumped onto my lap and laid down to sleep in an instant, and I sat there petting her bloody fur the way I had petted Charles's forehead moments ago. When a cat brings a dead bird to its kittens, it's teaching them how to eat. When it brings a dying bird to its kittens, it's teaching them how to kill, how to hunt, and survive in a primal DNA-driven world. I had dropped Charlie's body parts into a different sewer in a different part of town and made sure that my apartment wasn't stuck between the two drop zones. My logic was that, should one of them be discovered, the police could suspect anyone. But if they found two people who'd never met's remains together, they would know the only possible link would be me. Cleaning up only took 11 hours this time, and that included a stop at my favorite brunch spot. And the cherry on top of my already horrifying day was in the barista girl got my order wrong. I asked for oat milk, and she clearly put half and half. Given everything that had already happened, I thought about just drinking it anyway and letting the botched coffee order go altogether, but I also thought to myself, any chance to be seen and stand out while securing my alibi would be a plus. So I complained, and as she handed me the remade cafe latte, I saw her mouth the words bitch under her breath. She literally called me a bitch, even though she was the one who got my order wrong. And I was polite to her too. That was totally uncalled for. It's amazing how when we feel wronged by people, all perspective goes straight out the window. I had just dropped half my boyfriend's appendages into a filthy sewer to be eaten by city rats, but I was still huffy over being called a bitch just for asking them to make the drink I'd ordered correctly in the first place. I wanted to ask her to repeat herself, ask to speak to the manager. Instead, I just took the drink and walked away. And in hindsight, that is probably why I spent the next morning dropping her body parts into another storm drain this one much further uptown i had no luck in contacting the animal rescue where i had first found creep i thought about dropping her off at another shelter but part of me wondered if that was safe would i become her next victim and anyways i don't think she wanted to hurt me i think she was trying to help me had bonded to me and wanted to teach me what to do with all those who had hurt or offended me i went the next 26 days without sleep at least i don't think i slept And in that time, I discarded 44 sets of arms, legs, 23 heads. I couldn't ever find the eyes. I think she ate them. Sometimes they would have their tongues. Most of the time, I would have to finish them off. The city had then become all too aware of the missing persons. There was even talk of placing a curfew on the city. At one point, I worried so much that I would wake up one morning with a body and not have the ability to leave my house that I punctured a hole in the wall to see how much space was between the drywall if it was possibly enough to fit a body or perhaps bodies behind there, but it was just brick. I stopped going outside. I stopped engaging people. The bodies slowed down, but it didn't stop them completely. One guy showed up who I didn't even recognize until about a week later. I'm pretty sure it was my third grade boyfriend. We went out for one whole day. I got a little poke of a kiss on my hand and the next day he broke up with me, something now I consider to be juvenile and maybe a little cute. Anyone that did me wrong in the distant past or Even in a brief, meaningless encounter, they would wind up in the sewers. I tried pleading with Creep. Please stop this insanity. Stop the killing. I'm fucking begging you. I would weep and scream, hold my face up to her face by the scruff of her neck. She would purr or mew or stare blankly. I didn't understand how it could know when a stranger across town accidentally bumped my shoulder in a target and later feel inclined to sniff them out and seek revenge, but it couldn't understand my pleading. I needed to communicate. I needed the cat to know that it isn't helping me. And then, like divine providence, I got a text from my cat-loving coworker. She was checking in on me, asking if I was doing okay, how the job search was going, if I was scared about the killer that's been out there. I told her I was terrified. When you're having a conversation with a cat person, it's a guarantee that the conversation, no matter how morbid, will always gravitate back to their cats. And ours did. She had told me that she had recently had a visit with a pet psychic, that they had helped her have a telepathic conversation with her cat, and as a result, finally got her to stop licking out her belly hair by switching her food to a food that made her less itchy. I envied how simple her pet problems were. She gave me the name of her pet psychic, and although I now assisted a cat in the murders of over two dozen people, giving the psychic a call in hopes that it might be real was the craziest I've felt in a long time. I sent the woman, Agnes, a photo of Creep via text message. She said she needed a week to establish a connection, as if telepathy ran on AOL dial-up. A week later, she texted. She said she was ready. We decided that because of the curfew, it would be better to do this thing over Zoom. When I opened my browser, Creep let out a little chirp and rushed over to sit on my lap. Agnes was either in her late 60s or early 50s, after a lifetime of constant hard liquor and marble reds. It took her about 8 seconds before she let me know she was a gin girl. I thought she meant genie, but she lifted a shot glass with a lemon wedge to her mouth, leaving a thick smear of red lipstick across the top of the glass. Okay, well, Little Creep is very, very unique. No shit, I thought. Her room was filled with smoke and the way the light would change across her face. I thought there must have been a TV on, but muted just beyond the screen of her laptop. She dragged the cigarette and let out a slow exhale as she waved her hand as if she were cutting me off. Usually, I ask the questions once we're all here together and I've established a connection, but she lit up like a firecracker once I sat down looking at the photo you sent. Like as soon as I opened the text and saw it, boom! So that was new. Lit up? I asked. I didn't like this woman. I sort of felt like I invited a trailer park digitally into my living room, but I squashed these thoughts and told myself that I think she's amazing, and I genuinely love her mannerisms while petting Creep. That was my strategy now, to repeat how much I loved everyone in my mind so that Creep wouldn't think I needed to be avenged from them. The first thing she said, pausing for a deep drag of her cigarette, was I am a sentient being. That's all she said, actually. Could that have been your imagination? I asked, disturbed but intrigued by what I was hearing. I don't know, maybe. Could have been, whatever. But I think it was her. Why would my imagination say your cat's a sentient being? Nice to know this psychic reading comes with no guarantees. She doesn't have cat energy. Mostly cats talk about food or toys or birds. They have pretty narrow interests for the most part, you know? It's a cat. They do cat shit. But this one's a more stronger feeling anyway. You want me to ask her? I wanted. to to tell her actually and i hesitated careful not to give too much away mention anything that might be in the news i wanted to tell her that she doesn't need to defend me to protect agnes almost choked on her cigarette she's teaching you to protect yourself. jesus christ i mean wow what i said that was clear as a bell damn she uh she wants you to know she's teaching you to uh protect yourself man this is fucked up Agnes was clutching her temples as though she had an oncoming migraine. I thought to myself, damn, this woman is convincing. She should have been an actress. Then I saw her pupils dilate. She looked miles away and a thin layer of white foam, like that of a cafe latte drizzled out from her bottom lip. After a moment, she sucked it back in. Her pupils shrank and she looked at me in terror as she dragged back the ember of her cigarette in one smooth puff. Listen, I'm not gonna tell anyone. I just, you both have a good day, okay? I tried to ask her what happened, but she was gone, and I was left with a sentient being curled up and purring an earthquake into my lap. Police don't like to admit this, but they do from time to time require the assistance of psychics with high-profile murders. In this case, it was Madame Agnes who tipped them off to checking these sewers. Boy, did she become the immediate person of interest. She knew where all the bodies were buried, and she had a spectacular vision of the carnage, being performed by a cat and disposed of by yours truly. They got me fairly soon after that. And yes, they did think I was insane. Just not insane enough to plea. The pet psychic beat me to the punch with the whole the cat made me do it story. When I said it, I sounded like I was copying her, and they gave me a death sentence. It still didn't stop the killing. The officer who strip-searched me was a little too rough. They wound up outside my cell doors. The detective who showed up drunk and berated me while I was in solitary? Him too. The green mile gets awfully short once they realize they can't stop you from killing people and in the media i became known as the cat lady a name i didn't choose some reporter thought that my cat would pay me visits in the prison and that was it i was infamous it was the night before my execution and i sat on the thin cot of my cell in solitary confinement when i heard at least i think i heard a light scratching at my cell door the guards would do this to me to taunt me But this time I could feel those watching eyes. The sudden sensation like in the parking lot of the vegan grocer. And although I didn't hear it in words, Creep showed me something. Something inside my head. Not a vision. It was more like an impression that I just knew. It was me, sitting in a shelter, locked in a kennel. And the vet was on the other side of the wall preparing the lethal injection. And I was about to be walked in there and put down. And I was going to let them. Just like I let them kick me out of my job. Just like I let them cheat on me. Just like I let them give me something I didn't order and still charge me for it. I immersed myself with a sputtering groan from deep within my chest. Now I was about to let them take my life. No. No, I wasn't. I knew what I had to do. Tomorrow, I would be free. Tomorrow, the claws would finally come
0: out. The world would be a terrifying place if we weren't so used to it. If you have a cat, I would remind you to keep it fed. I'd forgotten to feed mine, which is why it literally interrupted me about 50 times during that podcast. So if you heard a meow in the background, I promise you it wasn't a sound effect. That was Little Cherry, who looks exactly like the cat depicted in that last story. Do you have a story you'd like us to share on the show? If you do, don't send it. Instead, you can email us what the story's about and where you got the idea. And you can send that to American Gothic Podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on our Instagram, americangothicpodcast. If you liked the show, please like, subscribe, download, and share it with your friends. We've got a lot more chilling tales coming for you this October. When will be the next one? I wouldn't want to spoil the surprise.